You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Tommy Lee. He's the president of Resource Global. Tommy, thanks for being on the show. Zach, thank you. Welcome from Chicago. I'm talking to you live from uh, Sacramento. Yes, yeah. Across the, across the country. Uh, can you share a little bit about your ministry and maybe share how you got into what you guys are doing at Resource Global? Yep. Resource Global, we founded it about 10 years ago, but it wasn't until the last five or six years that we realized that, uh, man, the world was changing. And we could talk a little bit more about that. And we specifically minister and work with young Christian marketplace leaders. We started out in Jakarta, Indonesia, and Chicago. And now after about six years, we're currently in Jakarta, Chicago, Austin, Texas, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, Singapore, Nairobi. How do you look at these young marketplace leaders as the catalyst for gospel growth around the world? Man, you guys are all over the place. And what year did you say you started? Uh, We started about 12 years ago. So it took me about five years to figure out what I wanted to do with Resource Global. But this current initiative, the last six years. Okay, cool. And so over the course of the ministry, I'm sure there was a lot of challenges that arose and and a, a lot of strategies that you saw shift because it sounds like this last six years you've you've made a big change in how you guys are doing things. So maybe talk about some of those challenges and what caused that shift. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times two things I would say, Zach, is when you first start an organization, I think you and I were just talking about that is I, we had no funding. We had zero donors, our budget, and we just had this idea that we wanted to take the gospel globally. What does that mean? So I started working with smaller global ministries in terms of this whole idea of capacity development. But for about five years, a lot of times it wasn't bringing in money. A lot of international ministries weren't uh, being able to pay. So I said, okay, so how do I continue to really be able to take the gospel to the ends of the earth? And so I started realizing one day when I was in uh, Jakarta, I was funded by a foundation to go and see what was happening in Jakarta and find a creative way of doing global missions. And during my nine days there, I came upon these young Christian marketplace leaders, Chinese Indonesians, which make up 20% of the population in Indonesia or Jakarta, but 80% of the economy. And then from that point on, how do you, uh, many of them came here to the U.S., studied at Stanford, uh, 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 Yale, Harvard, University of Michigan, Northwestern, and then from that point, I went back to work for startups, their family businesses. If you can get those guys on board to integrate faith and work through a biblical grade, can they make a difference for their city? Hmm. And so, so you saw in the marketplace there uh, just a greater willingness to engage those young leaders were more willing to engage? They were. And, you know, I think a lot of times, Zach, is they, let's say, for instance, I'm going to use Jakarta as an example. They were came here for the university. During this period, they are now going to 
Caucasian churches. They're learning what it means to have expository preaching, which, by the way, when they were in Jakarta in their churches, a lot of churches do not do expository preaching. A lot of churches do not engage in helping out with the poor, especially with certain churches. They believe that because of our skin color, because we're Chinese Indonesian, God has blessed us. For those who are not Chinese Indonesians or not wealthy, God chose not to bless them. That's their mindset. So they come here to the U.S. Suddenly, they sit through a church service where there's expository preaching. From that point in time, they're getting involved in InterVarsity, crew, navigators, their church, and they're doing urban missions projects, working in different areas of low income and also being a Bible study with people of different races. Now they're trying to figure out and say, wait, we never did any of this back home. So why are we doing it now here? But yet at the same time, we're being told that God did not bless those individuals. Now after graduation, they've grown. They know how to do Bible studies by themselves. They now have gone home. And now they're working at startups in their family business, but they're no longer fully Indonesian, but they're no longer fully uh, American or Western. Globalization has created a brand new person, and they're trying to figure out how do I figure out how to live my life and integrate my faith into my city and my work because I'm no longer the same person who left a couple years ago. Gotcha. So the the youth of the those that you guys are working with is just kind of a byproduct of the globalization Correct. of of what we've seen in the last decade or so. It is so different. I'm 43 years old, born in 1977. The whole idea of global missions and what uh, in the cities around the world is such a different conversation in the 80s and 90s compared to now where everyone grows up with Instagram, Facebook, not as much Twitter, WhatsApp, all of that stuff connects everyone from all over the world together. Interesting. So so focusing on these young leaders in these key cities around the world, what discipleship strategies are you guys using to raise up these leaders into effective disciple makers? It's interesting. Within Resource Global, we have a eight-month program, a cohort program, Zach, in in which we look at general themes of gospel-centered learning, integration of faith and work, justice and mercy, leadership, calling, all of that stuff. But how that looks like is going to be different in each city. And so we actually have to have a city director or a local person, many of them that have current marketplace leader experience and church experience, who now are city directors, who now develops a curriculum that is beneficial to their city and applicable to their city. But it took time for us to learn and assess what those needs were. So we always had to hire locally. The last thing you need is someone from Chicago who goes and implement a discipleship process in Jakarta or in Kuala Lumpur, Nairobi, when I've never done really done ministry or lived there all my life. Mm-hmm. So for instance, a lot of times in Jakarta, they're struggling with, How do you reach out with people who are different than you? And many of the Chinese Indonesians come from extremely wealthy family. What do I do with my gift? How do you integrate your work? How does your family business look like? In Nairobi, it becomes a different conversation. Many of their pastors, the older pastors, are saying to the younger Christian marketplaces, hey, if you're serious about your faith, you're going to quit your job and go into full-time ministry. Well, that's a different conversation over there in Nairobi. And so Mm -hmm. every single city 
has its own DNA. And so that's why it takes me forever to launch a new city because I need to find a good city director. I need someone who knows how to assess what the needs are. I need to build a network and also really test pilot some of our themes in our discipleship to make sure it really, really works with them. So I actually spend a lot of time in those cities. So so the strategies you guys are employing with each within each city is yes. Highly culturally contextualized. Correct. You have to listen to them and ask a lot of questions and do your homework. Interesting. Now, are, is there consist any consistencies within your strategy that work across all of these different cultures, or is it you're starting from scratch on your strategy every time you enter into a new city? I find that almost every single young leader I talk with, whether it's Jakarta, Sing. Uh, uh, Nairobi and Malaysia, Chicago, whatever, they all ask me pretty much the same two questions. How do I know what my calling is? And then also, what is it that God wants me to do in my life and with my passions and my skills and my strength? They're pretty much all consistent, especially with this particular age group. And so a lot of times we spend a lot of time talking about their story, how God has weaved their story, how God has been present in their story through the good and through all their bad, and begin to identify the different markers of strengths or passions that they have. It's funny, a lot of times, Zach, people do not think about their past and reflect upon their past. They're always looking toward the future, and we spend a lot of time helping them to process their story. And then from that point, how do you look at it through a biblical grid? Another topic that a lot of people struggle with is the integration of faith and work. How do you begin to use, because you are called by God to work in the corporate world, how do you integrate your faith? into your work as an engineer, architect, doctor, lawyer, engineer, uh, teacher. Mm, that's really good. Now, how are you guys identifying these young leaders and, and maybe, maybe share how you guys are, are using the digital and the virtual space yeah. to make disciples. You talked a lot about, uh, you, you mentioned some of those social platforms have changed things with the globalization that we're seeing. Like, how are you identifying those young leaders? And is, is it a lot of social interaction, social media interaction or, or something else? Pre-COVID, we did a lot of mixture of online as well as in-person events. So we will bring in a speaker, whether it's from, let's say I'm going to use Jakarta example again. I'm going to bring in some speakers from Jakarta. Many of them also study in the States. So they want to hear from American Western speakers. So we try to do a variety of that. And so we bring them, and our goal now is to build a network. My goal initially is to draw as many people that fit with my uh, group that I want to identify, mid-20s to mid-30s Christian marketplace leaders. And so we'll have live events. We'll have online. We'll have in-person events. Now, po- uh, during this COVID time, everything's been switched over to um, to virtual. And so as a result, I still have my gatherings We'll have an Andy Crouch come in. We recently had a Tony Bancroft from Hollywood. He's the lead animator of Warner Brothers Space Jam 2. So we have a variety of different people coming in and out, and our goal is to build a network. And then from that point on, our city director then meets with those who are interested in our cohort program, and then our board and our volunteers, our past alumni people, interview those people who apply to the cohort. And every single year, we pick the best 15 people who applies. Interesting. So it's a, 
it, it's an application process to be a part of what you guys are doing, essentially? We have to know that they're motivated and that their motivation is grounded in their need to see the gospel present in their city, that they are actively serving in their church. Because once they're done with us, how do you continue to use your faith in your work to make a difference in the city? But how is your church different through your time with us? Our goal only is to create that network in that city, Jakarta, Singapore, whatever it is, but you're doing it in fellowship with like-minded people in your city, Jakarta, but we're also introducing you to like-minded leaders. So an entrepreneur in Nairobi gets to know an entrepreneur in Jakarta who also gets to know an entrepreneur in Austin, Texas, or somewhere in the mm. tech field. So you're growing the network globally, but you're also growing the network in your city, but then you feel the support system to really be able to be operational in your church, in your city, in your work, everything like that. Interesting. And so you guys, again, have just kind of chosen this this young leader niche because I'm assuming there's just that in- increased willingness to engage digitally in that demographic versus an, an older generation. Correct. And again, let me use Asia as an example, and I'll use Africa as an example. If Tommy Lee at 43 years old tries to work more with a 60-something-year-old uh, person in Indonesia who is a person of wealth and CEO of their company, they've never really left uh, their state or their city in all of their lives. They look at me as I'm a young 43-something-year-old person, and so I have to learn how to respect my elder because that's Asian culture. And so mm. what am I going to tell them? They were stuck on their own ideas. They're not going to be open to change. Same thing in Nairobi with some of the pastors. They've always done their way things before. So why are they going to listen to an American who comes in and gives them different ideas? Because you don't understand our city and their culture, and they're very right. But a lot right. of the young people are very open to ideas because they'll read Facebook, they'll read different blogs, they'll read all these different things, and they want to hear different ideas. Hmm. That's really interesting. Now, offline, you mentioned that you are seeing a, a changing trend in global missions. Can you share some insights into what you're seeing? And is that that change in global missions yep. – like recent in the last couple of years or since you guys have made your shift over that last six year period? Zach, I would probably say when I was a young boy sitting there in church in the mid eighties, I remember a youth group presentation. I had a group of missionaries that came in and did this uh, presentation on God, please do not send me to Africa. And everything was just going <laughs> out to Africa, to the bushes and passing out tracts, passing out Bibles, everything like that. That has completely changed. That is complete, and it continues to change as well, too. Now, at the same time, should we still be sending out missionaries? I'm not disagreeing with that, but we have to realize that the days of sending out someone who went to Bible college, who's going to raise $120,000, $140,000 with no work experience, to a city, let's say Jakarta or Indonesia, where there's 13,000 islands, and Jakarta is the fourth biggest population in all of the world, the greatest number of Muslims in all of the world, but the economies are growing, and mm. you're going to go there and minister to somebody who just started their uh, startup company and then just made it big and sold it for $100 million? Is that really what the world looks like now? And the answer is yes. 
the world has changed. Technology has changed. Businesses have changed. A lot of places, it is no longer America's lead. America, everyone has America send out missionaries. Everyone learned from the West, everything like that. The world has changed. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, just, just those stats you were sharing, it, it seems like I think there's always a, a place for the missionary. Absolutely. But you know, they've got to learn the language. They've got to learn the culture. Yep. There's, there's a, sometimes a decade long process before you start Correct. seeing any fruit because there's a, it takes a decade to, to understand the language, understand the culture, build relationships in that place that you've gone. And so the inefficiency of that model Correct. Um, can be a, can be a major hindrance that not saying that that doesn't need to be done, especially yes. in some locations that are, yes. you know, middle and nowhere, nobody's willing to go. But um, that shift in this, the globalization shift that we're seeing, uh, it's just really exciting to see both from, it sounds like what you guys are doing and a lot of ministries that we're talking to who are just doubling down on raising up national partners, national right. leaders, uh, to go and do this gospel work who are already familiar. They speak the heart language. They're already familiar with the culture. Um, it's just as seeming like an, a much more effective uh, way yeah. to get the gospel message out and complete this great commission work. Right? Oh, totally. And I have to hire the staff. And ideally, I have to hire staff who have marketplace experience and also knows how to lead and build a network in their city because I need to depend on them to lead me on what we need to do to come alongside these young leaders. Hmm. So th that's a, that globalization shift, that's a probably what we're looking at a, the last, really the last five to 10 years, it's really hit pretty strong. But what have you guys seen amidst COVID where the entire globe, I mean, essentially has gone digital. You Work has gone digital. Everything's gone online because nobody can meet face to face. Nobody can meet in person. What kind of shifts, is this a, a doubling down on that digital space and, and how can, I, I think I know the answer to what you're going to say, but how can the, the church shift and be nimble yeah. and, and answer this big shift that we're seeing? I will probably say one thing, a couple of things. And one of them I'm going to use my donor development hat on is it does save you money. It saves you money from traveling. It saves you money from face-to-face. -face. It saves you money from events and the big conferences. And now you're able to redeploy all of that funding to other types of ministry. Plus, mm. at the same time, in the past, people said, well, you just got to have face-to-face -face contact. Or I want to see you face-to-face. -face. Now everyone's getting so used to doing it online it now actually actually has become more efficient. I am actually now more busier now with all of our early morning meetings, late night meetings with our Asia counterparts and Nairobi counterparts, and all of our speakers that we have teaching are more available now than ever before to really be able to interact with different people. And so there's actually a lot more dialogue taking place over and over again. So that's a big change that you guys have seen within oh. your own ministry. Oh my gosh, yes. And even some of the speakers that I could not afford in the days because whether or not the 10,000 uh, conference wants to bring them in or they're packed with this, I couldn't afford them. But now at the same time, I'm able to work with that. They're more readily available for me to say, hey, can you speak to our group in Jakarta? Can you speak to our group in Nairobi? And it becomes a lot more easier. 
a lot more cost effective because yep. you yep. don't have to ship them in and put nope. them up in a hotel and interesting. <clears throat> That's really cool. So what can the, what can the ministry sector learn from this changing trend and, and what can we do to adapt? Um, like, what are you guys seeing in the ministry space? And maybe, maybe you're not paying attention to anybody else because you're so focused on what you guys are doing, yep. which is what you should be doing. But like, how can, how can the ministry space, both the church and the parachurch space adapt and, and learn from this changing trend? I mean, everybody wants to co- say we're going to go back to the new normal or yep. go back to normal, but the new normal is going to be, I think, drastically different than anybody would have expected going into this thing. How can we learn from what's happened? All right, Zach, I'm going to be nothing but blunt and truthful to you in terms of what I think. And here's this, is we have to start looking at ways, especially now in the last couple of years, how we fund different projects around the world. More and more people are starting nonprofits and ministries. Around the world, they're going to start ministry and nonprofits. This world has become global and become smaller. America and the West are still the primary funders with churches and individuals here. Mm -hmm. How are you funding different projects? How are you assessing different projects? A lot of times, I was so motivated that early on, about six years ago, I read two articles. Whatever happened to $500 million in Haiti, whatever happened to $128 million in South Sudan, is that you have all of these individuals from around the world who mean well, but also realize that Americans always want reports. They want to know how many people were uh, evangelized to, came to know the Lord, and also uh, were discipled. And they realize other than that, Americans don't check anything. So they can fudge the numbers, change the numbers. When you go visit with your elder board, when you go take your mission trip, they're going to roll the red carpet out and they're going to be well behaved, but nothing ever gets done. There's no sustainability. Mm. Every single year, they're going to come back and ask you for the same $20,000 for an orphan or whatever it is. And you hope that they're doing well, but now you suddenly have these young Christian marketplaces that study in the West now have gone back. They came from Harvard, Stanford, Yale, MIT, UCLA, everywhere. They don't need your money. Help them think through a biblical grid. Help them have a passion for their cities. They're your future philanthropists, your donors, your leaders, board members. Let them guide you. Trust them and seek their advice. And at the same time, if they're let those guys sit down with them, go through the accounting records, go through their strategy, help them develop a strategy, and then work in partnership with them. Hmm. That's really good. Now, this is a bit of a shift yep. uh, in the conversation, but how how is digital communication uh, and digital discipleship affected across the different cultures that you guys are working with? And do you find that each this is a little bit back to that globalization, but do you find that each culture you work within has its own cultural challenges um, or are there, uh, obviously the answer is yes to that, but are there a lot of consistencies that you've seen across the digital space, across those cultures? Yeah. yeah. You know, I think we actually have a, have to have a social media and a communications person in each communications become so much more important than ever before. And so even the type of interviews, our blogs, our podcasts, our events, our design, we actually have a communications person, even if it's a coordinator assigned to each different city or region to help us out. 
uh, and that is our goal. And then we all have a communications director who brings leadership to some of the big ideas, but how that looks like is going to be different in each city. Uh, can you share some, maybe a couple stories of um, how you've seen this play out in some of the, the key cities, some stories of transformation, stories of how your young leaders have grown up into disciples that are making new disciples? Yep, yep. Uh, there, there's this one person. Her name is Julia. I, I think uh, uh, there's a couple of them. Julia was graduated at University of Michigan. And then from that point on, she uh, was a graphic designer, worked in New York for a little bit. And then from that point, worked for her family's business. But her family's business was in the maritime business. And so from that point on, there's 13,000 islands in Jakarta alone. And so she sat there and says, wow, what if I put doctors and nurses of the faith in these ships and have them transport? Because when I was in the U.S., I saw this wonderful ministry called Mercy Ships. So her dad says, yeah, go take a couple of the um, ships to do, be able to do all that stuff. It took her maybe about two or three years to raise maybe about 900 to a million dollars to really be able to retrofit these ships. And she brought all her friends and they met every single Saturday to design a communications plan, a strategy, a fundraising plan, build out a whole organization to do all of that stuff. So now she's doing all that stuff. Not only that, in her area, she realizes that a lot of spas in Jakarta or massage parlors were not a very reputable one. So she wanted mm -hmm. to bring dignity in that. So she started these uh, spas and hire people and train them and set up standards, all of them to provide a living. All of that was designed. How do I serve the people in my neighborhood? How do I serve the people in my community? She came in when in our first cohort when we started six years ago. And when I said to her, I said, Julia, you are going to be one of our teachers, one of our mentors. I want you to be the voice for, especially in a world where it's male dominated. She says, man, I'm scared. I, I, I'm not a good speaker. I wouldn't know what to say. And a lot of times the male guys all have the upfront roles. Well, Zach, five years later, she is one of our leaders, leading and one of our proudest alumni, one of the individuals I respect the most. She teaches for us regularly and leads both men and women with her words and is the most genuine believer I've ever met. Those are, I mean, she is just a phenomenal story that I'd love to share in Jakarta. That's awesome. Now, how are you taking her story or, or similar stories like her story and communicating those stories to your guys' audience, your donor base. Yeah, I have to create awareness within that. And so a lot of times I got to take it, whether it's in video form, and then from that point on, in video form, blog form, podcast form, different things like that. And then from that point of create awareness. Zach, five, six years ago, when I started this journey with Resource Global, I kid you not, the majority of all the churches that I knocked in or some uh, donors that I talked with sat there and said, oh, you're doing this in Jakarta? You're doing this with them? Yeah, that's not really global missions. Our job is to send out missionaries to the ends of the earth. Now, five years later, many of them have now joined us on trips. They're beginning to see stories of people like Julia and other people and seeing what it is. And now they're sitting there, hey, so can we be part of what you're doing at Resource Global? Because we, we realize that the world is changing. But it took me mm. six years to change the culture that was existing. And a lot of times, many churches still have zero clue what's happening around the world. Yeah, 
that's uh, well, and that and that's you know one of the purposes or the core purpose behind what we do at Reliant is this idea: what would it look like to communicate the stories of how God's working, uh, redeeming, rescuing, saving around the world? Because He is. We know He is. We know He is in every corner of this globe doing incredible things. And especially the Western church tends to be um, unaware of what God's doing. And so what would it look like to communicate those stories with greater regularity? And so um, I think that the potential and the possibility is really exciting. If we can communicate to the church, Hey, here's what's God, what God is doing both for his glory. And so the church can say, Oh, sweet. We want to get on board with that. So it sounds like, you sharing your story is a perfect example of how that pans out. You, sh- you showed the stories of how God's working through your ministry and these churches at first were put off to it and then have seen this change and said, Hey, we want to get on board with what God's doing through resource global. But Zach, I will probably say, and this is actually just not advertisement for you is I'm not very good at communications, writing, social media, communications, creativity is probably I am purely an operations guy, and I spent 10 years building cell towers. I had to surround myself and find organizations like yourself to help me develop that and help me grow it. It's when I started doing that, that's when my messaging started becoming clearer. Yeah, it, it uh, clarifying the message is incredibly important. So, yeah, thank you for that little uh, little promo. Appreciate it. You got it. <laughs> um, can, one last question can you share because when we st- first started talking offline this is what really really impressed me by you Tommy can you share some of the other ventures that yeah. you are uh, a part of because uh, it, it just is incredible what you're doing I don't know how, how you have the time to do all this stuff but kind of share what you guys are doing to support Resource yeah. Global just so you know, I actually, again, I built cell towers for about 12 years. So I worked for a company called American Tower. And under my portfolio, I work with Sprint, AT&T, Singular, uh, Verizon, all of that stuff. I learn and hone my ability to be a project manager during this time. Loved it. And now I get a chance. How do I support and build an infrastructure of for-profit initiatives that fund Resource Global. So not only do I have Resource Global with our city directors, I also created a business in Jakarta called City Leadership Center that trains and works with Indonesian businesses on professional development for their senior leaders. And I actually do it in conjunction with churches on missions trips where many of their CEO and churches in the U.S. want to do cross-cultural training in churches. So that's one. So City Leadership Center, I'm the managing director of Together LA that works with pastors as well as marketplace leaders and ministries in the city of LA. Then I'm the executive director of the Growth Center of Church and Mission, where we're trying to create an ecosystem called the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader. And I'm also the president of Create Possible LLC, which is our consulting arm that works with groups such as A21 and Navigators, as well as City to City. So those are some of the groups and clients I work with. Awesome. Wow. That is impressive. And like I said, I don't know how you have time to, to do all those things, but it sounds like you're great at delegating. <laughs> hey, stay-at-home moms. Uh, the key <laughs> workforce that I have are stay-at-home moms who formerly were in the business world, project managers, executive directors, vice presidents, and who operate independently because one of the worst gifts I have, Zach, 
I am terrible at managing people. There's a certain type of person who works well with me, but if you need a lot of direction, I am the worst person for you to work with. You you like to let them run free and and uh, hit the ground running All without day. too much guidance. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> well, cool. Tommy, this has been uh, super helpful. I think that this is going to bring a lot of value to ministry leaders, executives. Uh, if people want to learn more about what you guys are doing with Resource Global, how can they get a hold of you? Go to resourceglobal.org. That's www.resourceglobal.org. We also have our podcast up next podcast on that as well, too. So love to have you visit. And please just drop me an email. Love to talk with you. Awesome. And then lastly, can I pray for you and your ministry? Sure. Father, I just lift up Tommy and Resource Global. I pray that you would just continue to work through uh, this man is, who has answered your call, work through him and his team as they uh, make disciples in key cities across the world uh, to raise up leaders who are making other disciples. Father, I pray that you would uh, just bless this organization, bless them uh, financially to be able to do more of the work that they're doing. I uh, pray that you would give Tommy and his team guidance and direction as um, you lead and guide to new cities to start these initiatives in and um, just create strategies that are more and more effective in the cultural context in which they are working. Father, um, we love you. Thank you so much that we get to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, you are good, and uh, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Tommy, thanks for being on the show. We really appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.